0: Women's Day, what does it mean to you? Can I start that again? I just... I I didn't press record. Okay. Good one. Good one. I've got a really good (laughs) assistant here. She's keeping me honest. Okay. Tomorrow is International Women's Day. What does it mean to you?
1: Um, International Women's Day is something that I sort of found out about when I was in high school. I went to an all-girls school and... I remember the slogan, women can do anything. And at the time, I didn't necessarily believe it, but the older I get, the more that I'm sort of achieving in my own life. And I realise that we need to support each other as a network of women because nobody else is going to. (laughs) And I think that the more that we come together, the more unstoppable we are.
0: Did you know that international... Women's Day used to be called International Working Women's Day, and that it actually had its its early um, founding in the workplace um, in various countries in Europe.
1: No, you know what? I didn't know that, but that makes that makes good sense. Like, it makes good sense that women who have chosen to work have the support because it wasn't necessarily smiled upon in those days, I guess. So it it makes sense and I think it's a great idea.
0: And in some countries, um, International Women's Day has morphed into um, an expression of men's love for women th- like um, Valentine's Day or Mother's Day. How oh, do you, really? How do you feel about that? <laughs>
1: <Where>? <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess it kind of takes away from the empowering message because it turns it into something that's not about women and more about men objectifying no not objectifying that's a horrible word i guess it takes away from the empowerment of women and turns it back into a thing of women needing the support of men to achieve or to feel validated and i think that as women we need to be able to validate ourselves and each other without the help of someone who is considered to be I mean, let's face it, higher up in the food chain than we are.
0: What is the best way to teach the very young about the world?
1: Okay, I am a mother of a girl who just went into prep this year. She'll be five at the end of the month. And the way that I've taught her about the world so far is to let her live in it. I know that sounds like a cop-out, but... I have given my child as many experiences as possible, like, not not inappropriate experiences, but I've given her opportunities to experience different aspects of the world, different ways of living within my means, you know, and um, given her the tools, hopefully, and the skills to be able to handle facing things in the world without melting down and I think, I think children just need confidence and curiosity. And with those two things, I think that children are like unstoppable because they've already got this sort of sense of being untouchable. And I think that if we can foster that sort of feeling of excitement and wonder, then they can learn some incredible things about the world without us stopping them. With our own, with our own Misconceptions and our own prejudices and stuff like that that we've built over so many years. If we can give kids the, like a blank canvas to sort of draw their own world on, then I think that's the best way to teach them.
0: How do you guide um, a child through early stages of development? And by that I mean like going from breastfeeding to eating solid food or from um, lying down and to sitting up and then to... Crawling and walking, and then to speaking and and thinking. How do you guide them through those early stages of development?
1: Yeah, Uh, I I guess as a I I was um I was twenty when my daughter was born, and so I was sort of very chilled out about the whole thing. And I just I know that when she's ready to take another step in her life. She, she takes that step and if I just give her the opportunity with some safe boundaries, she takes those steps. I know that like when they're babies and stuff, like feeding them solids and all that kind of thing is something that, that you have to do at a certain age. But I just... If you develop a bond with your child, I feel like I hopefully have. <laughs> She'll tell me when she's older, I'm sure. But if you can develop a bond with your child where you feel you feel their energy and you feel when they're ready to make another change and and that they grow in front of you and you can see them changing and you can see that they're ready for the next challenge or or you're both ready together to take on the new challenge then that's when you introduce a new challenge to them because i think growing up as a child is a very confusing and very confronting experience for them and everything that we think is such a small milestone to them everything is enormous and and if we support them like everything they're going through is enormous and if we provide them with the love and understanding that everything they're going through is a big deal then then they'll feel like when they get to the things like big deals then we'll be able to give them the support they'll come to us but if we treat things that are a big deal to them now like they're nothing then when they get older they think that the things
0: that are a big deal to them will be nothing to us. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, do you, you know you mentioned that uh, your daughter's going to go into prep? Yes, yeah, uh,
1: she's in prep right now. She's yeah. in prep right now, so
0: she's she's basically in a childcare situation. It's just in prep uh, and school.
1: Oh, it's school. Yeah, she's in school now. Big girl. <laughs>
0: and was she in childcare before she went into prep?
1: No, I, I actually... She went to kindergarten last year, which is pre-prep, which is preparing them to go to school. But before that, she... I I made the choice when she was born to only work... Like, I, I had a part-time job for a few years with her and I studied, like, part-time, but, you know, very very half-heartedly because I had this incredible creature at home that I wanted to play with all the time. But um, I made the decision... to to be a stay at home mum and it wasn't easy because I missed out on well I won't say missed out, I postponed a lot of my own personal growth to ensure that my child and I had a good understanding of each other and to so that I could impart values and we could learn from each other on a daily basis. I mean that's my personal choice. A lot of people, a lot of people choose other pathways and that's their choice but my choice was to stay at home with my child because now that she's at school I'm taking on study and I'm doing like five subjects this semester and this is my first time back at uni for a really long time and, and we're both feeling the change but I feel like I've equipped her well enough with coping mechanisms and she can talk to me about how she's feeling because over that 5 years I was able to able to establish a connection with her that that we could talk about how she's feeling she can express how she's feeling and I can I can try and cater for that does that does that make sense I'm not sure what I'm Um
0: yes I I, I was wondering you know when you were talking about how you made a choice yeah. um to actually be a stay at home mum yeah now was that a clear choice, or were your alternatives limited like i 'm thinking now you know did did for example, did you have um the benefit of an extended family to assist you in in caring for her you know because um, to be twenty four seven a mum twenty four seven is a huge undertaking.
1: Ab- absolutely but um it's never easy and yeah i did um initially i had a support network um from my family and from my daughter's father's family but um my my daughter's father and i separated and we stayed very close friends and he is the support network now but um I don't really have any other support and that's been for quite some time and when when I lost that support network is when I stopped working part time and because I knew that it was only going to be a couple of years until she was in school and I could I don't know it sounds selfish but I could reclaim where I was heading in my life and I I sort of I sort of owe it to her because I I had an opportunity of 5 years to reassess where I wanted to be in my life and I could learn a lot from her and I learned a lot about myself in that time and now I'm able to make decisions based on that that time that I spent with her and the things that I learned but yeah support network wise I, I did have the support, but I, I feel like maybe I didn't want to use it. There was a lot of pressure on me to go back to work and all that kind of thing. But I really just wanted to enjoy the the very limited time. Like what, a child's a child, a child for how many years and then they're at school forever, you know? And, and then once they finish school, they're completely grown up. So these formative five years, I made an active choice to be a part of that for myself and for her, and so hopefully, when she's older, we'll have that bond still.
0: You mentioned that um, you that you know you were with her all of the time up to the point where she went to pre prep. Yeah. Now you've decided to go to study virtually full time. Now there must be a very big psychological adjustment that you go from being in the company of a small child. To be, uh-huh. how how do you make that shift from, you know, you this is only first semester. How do you?
1: Yeah, how yeah, well, this get... has been this is week two, <laughs> but you know what? I've been very sensible about, like, I, I, I'm a very social person, and so the entire time that Annabelle was around, like, I we still socialized as mother and daughter. I made friends with parents who were also driven and also had outside lives. There's a lot of parents who seem to sort of have their world revolve around their child and that's all they have. But when you network with a group of people who are equally as interested in life outside of being a mum as they are in being a mum, like you learn how to balance the two of them and, and I know, I know how to I know how to be without my child and I know how to be with her. Does that make sense? Like I, I understand I I we were both ready for the change. If that yeah. We were both ready. She was ready to go to school and I was ready to let her go and because of the time that we spent together and the time that we spent building friendships and relationships around us with people who she now goes to school with and I can drop her off with, you know, people she goes to school with and friends and stuff like that and I'm still friends with the parents of the girls that she goes to school with and we're all, we all go through the transitions together and so that makes it easier. Like now, sort of, all of these mums that were stay-at-home mums were all sort of getting on with what we wanted to do with our lives now that we've waited five years, you know, to let go. <laughs>
0: last year we actually met at a radio training course and
1: yeah how did good times how, ian
0: <laughs> how did she adjust like how did um who looked after her and how did she adjust to you starting out on your studying basically um did, did was that a difficult thing
1: no um she i was very lucky that at that time um my my ex partner and my current partner actually get along quite well, and so between the two of them, I was able to go and study, and trust that whoever my daughter was with was giving her the right love and attention, and she felt safe, and they were happy. And as long as she's being loved, then I'm happy. And you know, she she's a really easy going kid. I I haven't mollycoddled her she spent a lot of time with a lot of different people and I think that those are the sort of skills that are really important to be able to adapt to different situations without panicking too much and without feeling like she knows that I love her and I know that she loves me and so we're able to separate ourselves like healthy people do, (laughs) you know, like let just because you have a strong bond doesn't mean that you have to be together all the time and it's, it's been a difficult adjustment for her with me not being around as much this year but she's used to being with lots of different sorts of people and so she, this year, is adjusting to that quite well in terms of spending time with people that aren't me.
0: <laughs> I mentioned earlier today that I was thinking of calling this show mother courage and her children now i know that you're studying drama in the yeah. uh, in the hours that have intervened have you looked up what mother courage and her children what play that is and what it's it's about? a
1: Brechtian, it's Brechtianism, isn't it like That's it's, right. it's a play yeah i haven't i haven't got into it because i've been at uni all day i only just got home at six unfortunately but um i i I was talking to somebody about it today and um, it came up in a lecture yesterday and I I really am interested to know if you could tell me more about it Uh,
0: Mother Courage and Her Children is about a war in the 1600s and it was written in the space of a month by Bertolt Brecht at the outset of of World War II he was in Europe and the Nazis were starting to invade Poland and so he had a great fear of what was coming so he looked back in history to uh another time when europe began a 30 years war and he Are chose
1: the Italian unrest. pardon was that in italy
0: uh no the the, the war actually the, the the main character is swiss and um, swiss. yes and the war actually engulfed I'm not sure all of the countries, but a lot of the countries in Europe. And uh, this is in, I think it was from about 1610. And um, so this is before the the war in Italy, which was the War of Independence. Um, yes. Um, so anyway, the the character, a mother courage, she has a cart, and she takes okay. around like goods and trades in goods. And um, she has her children on the cart as well. And mm. her character can be seen in two different ways. One of, you know, like the name implies, one of a courageous woman. Yes. Yeah. Um, but also uh, Brecht is trying to look behind that and to see whether she learns anything from her experiences and how that affects her children. I'll have to sure. let you read that play, but um, I've decided hmm. that I'm not going to actually call it that. <laughs> because, oh, okay. Because um, uh, I've been... I, I thinking it's really... I mean, we're not, we're not really in that situation that Brecht faced, he and his wife faced in 1939 yeah. when there was a... Well, we, we, we're not sure about what the future holds. Hopefully we're not in that situation... No, been... I
1: really hope not, Ian.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because, um, well, it then the choices that we have now mightn't be available to us. So just a final question, Mary. Um, what What are you going to be doing on International Women's Day tomorrow?
1: On International Women's Day, I will be celebrating my girlfriend's birthday. And we two strong, independent, powerful women (laughs) will most likely be going fishing. (laughs) Terrible, I know. I only just realized um, when you were talking to me today that tomorrow is International Women's Day and it's my girlfriend's birthday and I think that it's very interesting because I've learned a lot from my partner She's an incredibly strong woman woman who's been through a lot of trials and tribulations and she's taught me a lot about how to take responsibility for my actions and so I guess I'll just be celebrating the strong woman in my life and appreciating the fact that I get to share a milestone with her like that.
0: I hope you're not going to Moreton Bay because it is so muddy and brown. Any fish that um, you pull out of there will be, well, it'll be a, a triumph if you get a fish out of there to, to begin uh, no, with. No, we
1: catch, I live, I live on Moreton Bay, I live on, in Wynnum and we live on the Esplanade, so we catch whiting and brim. We don't keep them, we throw them back, it's just for sport, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> we just. I just like, I don't eat fish, I just like catching them. <laughs>
0: Well, I wish you good luck with your sport. Um oh, is, thank there, you. is there anything you'd like to add? I should give you that opportunity.
1: Um I guess I guess the thing is with with women and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just the women that I know but through my life I have experienced the tendency of women to to form gangs against each other and, and, and to, to judge each other based on life choices or parenting choices or, you know, like sexual choices or lifestyle choices. And I think that we've got enough going against us as women, as a community, than, you know, to have unrest in the ranks like we need we need to form an alliance together to be as powerful as possible so that we can actually achieve anything without the permission of those who are higher up than us in you know certain ranks and I think that it's so important for us as women to acknowledge the unity that we can all share and we can all embrace without being weighed down by by our our preconceptions of how a woman should be or how a mother should be, if we all just support each other and respect each other's differences and choices, I think that we can make a really big difference and I think that we're going to get there.